You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. Let's talk each week with some good news because I feel like we just need to hear it. Last week, uh, I shared some good environmental news um, happening in India that's saving people's lives and our oceans. This week, uh, the article that stood out to me was about this American man who completed the first ever solo trek across Antarctica. Um, Robbie's working on our slides. Thank God for Robbie. Let's just thank Robbie, please. (laughs) So we might get a picture of him in just a minute. Um, Not Robbie, the man who did the trek. Uh, now, I don't, I don't actually know if him doing this trek is actually good news, um, but it sure was interesting to me. And it captured my imagination as I read through this interview with him. But there's a reason I chose it for today, so I'll get to that good, good news part um, in a minute. His name is Colin O'Brady, and he's 33 years old. He's the first ever to cross Antarctica completely on his own and survive. Other adventurers have done this harrowing trip, but they've been aided by kites to help propel them along um, or had airdropped food, you know, at stations and supplies. But he did this completely on his own. He traveled 930 miles in 45 days, lugging his entire load of gear, which was 375 pounds on a sled behind him. And as you know, of course, the environment in Antarctica is hostile to all forms of life. Uh, But the statistics really got me. He sometimes endured temperatures as low as minus 80 degrees, which actually maybe that's why it stood out to me because it's gonna be like 19 or something tonight. That's nothing, of course, compared to minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit and 35 mile per hour winds uh, pushing through blinding snow, climbing ice ridges, etc. So um, it seems truly impossible for a human being to do that and to remain covered at all times. This is part of what he was talking about in the interview is that every part of his skin had to be remain covered at all times so not to get frostbitten. So the reason I'm telling you about this um, is because there's this, there was this little detail in the article that, mentioned, that was mentioned um, that at one point doctors told him that he may never walk normally again. After an accident about 10 years ago, 25% of his body had been severely burned and most of it was his legs. So to go from thinking that you may never walk again to, or walk normally again anyway, to completing this almost inhuman task uh, demonstrates a lot of change had to happen in his life. And this was, he talked about it, this was a defining moment. Um, This accident was a defining moment for him that motivated him to make the most of the chances that he still had. We're talking about this kind of change um, in a season of epiphany as, as Joel mentioned earlier, because we follow the wise men with our hearts and our minds are looking for something to be revealed. 
Like the wise men, when we encounter Jesus, that encounter changes us, and we're often prompted to go another direction. After they came and worshipped Jesus as the new king, they went home by another route. Their hearts were changed. They became aware of the danger of returning to Herod, who was only interested in preserving his power and authority. So they went another way, and they refused to cooperate with corrupt power. I think it's fitting to talk about this today, as we remember Martin Luther King Jr. In the way that we refuse to cooperate with corrupt power, we demonstrate that we serve a new king. We are a people who have changed direction to follow Jesus. But before we get into that more, um, let's just acknowledge how hard it is to change. We all have something that we're trying to change in our lives, probably. Personally, many of us want to study more, sleep less, sleep more, have better boundaries with family members, practice patience, ask for help. But it's hard to change all of those habits and patterns that we have in our lives. Even when we want to do something bigger like beyond ourselves, beyond our own personal goals to change, it's hard to change. You might relate to the Apostle Paul with me when he says in Romans, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things that I absolutely despise. So I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and do it. It becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For I know the law, but I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do it, to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone, gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. I can relate to the Apostle Paul. So what is it for you? Is it your anger? Does it flare up before you have a chance to love? Is it pride or fear or passivity? Whatever it is, change is hard. Even the most disciplined among us struggle. We need Jesus to turn our hearts, and we need to be transformed and healed. There's a story in the book of Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, about a man who was possessed by a demon, and Jesus healed him. And after Jesus healed him and cast out the demons, the man wanted to stay with Jesus. But Jesus told him, don't go with me. Go back home. Go to your people and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Jesus didn't allow him to stay with the group, with him and the disciples. He he couldn't continue with them. He was sent back into his territory with the good news of how Jesus had freed him. Jesus wanted him to speak about and to show people what freedom he was bringing. And he healed this man to demonstrate that. I'm going to start reading the story and then you'll help me as we go along. 
They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. They is the disciples and Jesus together. And this is in the, chap- in the chapter right before these verses. Jesus had said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. So they were crossing over the lake or the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Gerasenes. Theologian N.T. Wright writes a bit about the history of this land that gives us context for the significance of Jesus going over to the other side. He says that after the death of Herod the Great, when the country was divided up among his sons, Philip got the area to the northeast of the Sea of Galilee. But to the southeast, where this story takes place, he never, it had never been Jewish territory. It was called Decapolis, which means ten towns. And there's debate about which ten towns they were and out of them where this took place. But the main point to know is that they were not Jew- Jewish people. This region where people, yeah, they were not Jewish. They, this was a new territory for Jesus and his disciples to enter. And the herd of pigs coming up later in the story is another clue that they're not Jews. So can somebody read, as I read more about this passage, um, this name for demons and this request to not be sent out of the region makes more sense. This territory had been overrun by the Romans for a century or so before Jesus' time. And legion is the Roman military term used for the troops who had marched in and taken over. So scholars seem to agree that what was happening here was far more significant than just this man's personal healing. His torment was an embodied form of this Roman occupation that people had lived. Their name was legion. People had suffered under the domination of the Romans and their oppressive power for decades. This man was personally tormented by these spirits, named with the Roman oppressors, in much the same way that the whole region had been oppressed. And no one was able to overpower them. People had tried to restrain him and bind him with chains, but under the influence of these spirits, he broke free. He was uncontrollable. And he tortured himself and he cried out in anguish. It was as if the powers that took over his country had possessed him in the same way. This army of evil that had taken over the territory had taken over his humanity and left him a human wreck. He was naked and isolated and self-destructive. Let's read the next paragraph. Can someone read that for us? Thanks, Leslie. N.T. Wright talks about uh, the layers of symbolism here. So this man is unclean and possessed by spirits, and he lives in a place of death. To the Jews, tombs were unclean and a source of contamination. And the pigs were also considered unclean. So when Jesus cast out these demons into the pigs and they were hurled off the steep bank into the water, it was a dramatic demonstration of Jesus' power over the evil. His authority was over the unclean Romans, legion, and unclean spirits. 
And Wright says that many people understood the sea to be a place where monsters came from, if they knew the book of Daniel. And it would be like pushing the monsters back into the sea. So this encounter was like Jesus versus the Roman occupation. He was demonstrating his power in bringing God's kingdom at hand. And right before this story in the chapter before, chapter 4, Jesus was teaching through a number of different um, parables what the kingdom of God is like. And here he's actually demonstrating it. When God's kingdom comes up against someone possessed, even in the name of Romans' legions, God's kingdom brings healing and restores those who suffer occupation. The people who were attending the pigs and just lost their herd ran off and they reported it to the town and all across the countryside and people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. This description gives us a picture of this complete transformation happening in the man. Through the grace and power of Christ, he was sitting instead of restless and violent. He was clothed instead of naked and, and in his right mind, he was sober instead of raging. This new order, this is the new order that Jesus is bringing. The kingdom of God casts out the spirits of rage and pride and selfishness and impurity. And it's interesting that the people were afraid. They began to plead with Jesus to leave. They must have sensed that this was bigger than just this man. It's almost like they were afraid that more things were going to change and he, they just begged him to leave. Let's finish this story. There's no doubt that this was a defining moment for this man, right? He was free. He had another chance to live out from under the evils that had oppressed him. And he just wanted to stay with Jesus. Of course he did. Why wouldn't he? But Jesus won't let him. That's, it was surprising to me. He, he wants to follow Jesus, but Jesus says no. This clearly is about something much bigger than this man's healing. The evil that had inhabited him was bigger than just him, and his healing was also. Jesus told him to go to his own people and tell them what the Lord had done. He gives this man an assignment. You're no longer owned by the evil powers. You are free. People will see this, go and spread this message. Jesus comes to liberate everyone, everywhere who needs to be set free. We can be liberated from the lie that this is just how it is, that the powers that be have the last word. When we live in a country where the evils of racism and poverty and war continue in much the same way that Dr. Martin Luther King described over 50 years ago, the church has to be a demonstration that the systems of power and authority are passing. We live in a new order, the kingdom of God, which is being revealed. We need to be healed from those evils 
There is a new order here in the world and in us. But sometimes I think it's hard, it's, it's too often we're waiting for a dramatic story to tell. We're hesitant to say what Jesus has done in us. We might feel like we're still too complicated or unfinished, too tainted by the evil around us. I don't, I don't think it always happens as one defining moment. We work out our salvation. We need to be re- forgiven and renewed and restored and start over. What the story shows, the good news, is that Jesus has defeated the powers. His work is complete. We get to live into that with him. And we do have a story to tell. Even when we feel unfinished, even when we, we know we still need to change and want to change, we together live out a different story. We together live into the kingdom of God. Later in chapter 7, uh, Jesus went back to Decapolis, and he heals a deaf and mute man. And in that story, they crowd, the crowd um, brought that man to Jesus. So at the end of this story, they're sending him away. And the next time Jesus shows up, they crowd around him and they bring someone for healing. It's like they were waiting for him. They're ready to ask for healing and liberation. Maybe it was because this unnamed man who was healed from the demons, maybe his ability to call out the evil that had possessed him and the power of God led him to healing many others or led to the healing of many others in his sphere of influence. We don't know that for sure, but we do know that Jesus sent him back to tell his people. His healing was enough to share about the power of God. And ours is too. We don't have to have a dramatic story. We're working out our faith and transformation with Jesus. But what we have is enough. It is the truth that Jesus and his kingdom are more powerful than evil. And we try to live that out. We live into the freedom that Jesus brings. And it is bigger than any one person's story. It is our story together, and we need to keep telling it. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you have brought a new order, a new reality, a new um, kingdom that we can live into. Even as we keep working out our freedom, Lord, we, we want to express it tangibly with all those around us. Give us creativity and, and power to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at Circle of Hope dot net.